0: Hey Devils fans, make sure to sign up for the RWJ Barnabas Health Running with the Devils virtual 5K. Where 100% of the proceeds from the event will benefit RWJ Barnabas Health's emergency response fund. Those who register and run the 5K via the RunGo app between October 1st and October 25th and submit their best time are entered for a chance to receive prizes. Visit newjerseydevils.com/5k to register. And welcome to the latest installment, the free agent installment of Speak of the Devils. And we got the whole crew together. We're very excited about that because it was a thrilling period of time. It's still ongoing. Free agency doesn't technically have an end, but it's still ongoing. And the Devils made a lot of great moves. So let's welcome in Amanda Stein, Chris Westcott, Catherine Bogart. Like I said, everyone's here to discuss what took place after the draft and over the weekend. And uh, I'll start with you, Amanda. The Devils. Busy as we expected they would be. And, you know, Tom Fitzgerald had a plan about what he needed to fill. And while there are still a few more holes, and we'll get to that a little later on, he accomplished at least at the beginning what he set out to do, didn't
1: he? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because this year was a year where there was no legal tampering period, I guess um, you could call it. So it took a while for a lot of deals to come in, not just with New Jersey, but All around the board. So it kind of created this like fodder where you're like, oh, where are all these guys going? And there was definitely some anticipation. And, you know, Tom Fitzgerald made one of the later deals on free agency. But I think that later deal of bringing in Corey Crawford was the main thing on his list. He stayed patient and I think he got his guy.
2: It oh, was, man. I'm oh, sorry, Maddie. I was just going to say I agree with that buzzword patience. I think that that's what we're starting to learn about GM Tom Fitzgerald. He's a very patient man. That doesn't mean he's complacent. He knows what he's doing. He works the plan. He's made the plan. He waits for the right value. And, and that's another buzzword here, guys. I think value is going to define Tom Fitzgerald's uh, tenure as GM with the New Jersey Devils with his trades I don't think we've seen a single move transaction, you know, contract given out a trade made with Tom Fitzgerald where we've gone, hmm, what was he thinking with the value there? I think overall, we're very confident in his ability to see the value of a transaction and then to work on it to make sure that it fits in with the uh, long term plan of this organization. And I think we've seen that so far. I mean, we've even seen it with the trades, uh, Maddie, Amanda and Catherine, that he's made with like Ryan Murray for a fifth. I mean, like, that's a great trade for the Devils. This guy's going to slot into the top four immediately. And we saw the same thing with Janssen, weaponizing your cap space, finding the right value, and bringing in a key contributor. And then, of course, Corey Crawford as well. You're not going to find many Stanley Cup championship winning goaltenders that have had consistently good numbers their entire career. So just value and patience are the two words that stick out to me.
3: I feel like a lot of that comes from Tom's experience too. Like there's a lot of confidence around Tom going into right now because you know, trade deadline, he did some amazing work there too with the team he had just taken over as an interim general manager. And now that he is the full general manager, he comes into his first draft at the helm of the GM position. Then he goes into the um, free agency period two days after draft ends. So it's pretty exciting to see a new general manager, be able to pick things up so quickly. And he's up against a lot of general managers who have been in the general manager seat for years and years and years. But Tom Fitzgerald is just fitting in right away. He's finessing some deals. He's also signing some players and it just seems
1: very natural for Tom. I think though, when it comes to Tom, um, He's been in this game so long in so many different aspects of the game, whether it's a thousand games as a player or over a thousand games as a player, a captain, in development roles, at the helm of a, an AHL team. He has so much experience in so many different aspects of what it takes to build a franchise that not only does he have that experience, but he has so many connections already, you know good solid connections. With other general managers around the league.
0: And he's been very consistent in his message as to what his plan is on how he's going to go about uh, pushing this franchise forward, this learn to win phase that he consistently talks about, but wanting this team to be really ready to go when the two cornerstones, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, get into their prime and Nico's closer. I, I, I still believe this is going to be an incredible year for him. Jack may still have a few more growing pains as he'll just be a teenager, even when this league gets go, uh, going again. But the fact of the matter is that's what he said. These are the guys and he means Jesper Brad too. And he means the younger players, but those two cornerstones when they're ready to go and the others around them are ready to go. That's when the devils will really strike. So to your point, Chris, and, and Amanda talking about the patience, but also he has a lot of chips. But he wasn't throwing them all into the middle of the table for this year. There is that view: short term, improve this team for this year. But long term, let's get that win, uh, learning to win process underway without you know hamstringing us down the road. So with that, why don't we bring in the general manager Tom Fitzgerald, with whom we had a chance to spend some time with. Uh, and uh, this came at the conclusion of the first phase, if you will, of the trades and free agency. As we welcome Fitzy to the show, the life of a general manager is always a very busy one, but this last week has been particularly so for the Devil's general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, who joins us today, Matt Lachlan, along with Amanda Stein. Fitzy, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time because it is so precious. Looking back, and well, maybe in a global perspective take it from before the draft to now, but let's go from after the draft as you've added to the devil's organization with two trades and a free agent signing. If you could just discuss what you had hoped to accomplish coming into this period and where you feel the devils are now after those moves.
4: Well, first, it's always a pleasure speaking with you too. Always Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, good question. Yeah, it's been it's been like we knew uh, we knew there was a big tidal wave coming, you know, starting on uh, October sixth um, and carrying right through to the to at least the, the at least uh, what's today the eleventh. Um, but we were prepared. You know, we've we've had a long time to prepare. We've we've communicated well with uh, everybody in our organization. Um, we strategized on. On a lot of different things, we needed to uh, improve on, um, and, and we're still not we're not there. Uh, but we feel we've got off to a good start. Um, I think patience is a a key to this uh, key to the growth of our organization. Um, without you know, you know, I don't want to I don't want to look at today and not worry about tomorrow. Um, so as as the draft came and went, um, you know we were my my team were, and I were prepared we were in, we were in our, our war room um, going through different c- scenarios and and what players that made the most sense to us um, Goaltending was the number one priority as 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 you know to to come out um, and figure out what one what 's the market going to be you know that was the the uncertainty um, with with the world we 're living in. Uh, two, what were we prepared to do with term and, and, and finance? Um, and then three, most importantly, who, who were the targets? Like, who would we want to go, go after, um, Corey Crawford, you know what, he, he didn't really come on the scene until late because I think the the whole hockey world would have thought he was going to resign with Chicago, retire, you know, maybe get his, his jersey lifted to the banners. Um. And be he, he always will be uh, uh, known as a Blackhawk. Um, but when he becomes a free agent, and we look at our board and kind of shop and compare the some of the guys, Corey Crawford's a starting goaltender, um, and we were able to get in on that. Um, Marty Marty Rodore played a huge part in in you know securing um, the the, the idea of Corey coming. Um, so I, I I thank Marty for that. Um, but we felt like right, right away when, when we went to, um, uh, to him said, well, if we can get this done, we really, really checked the box that we, we set out to do. Um, and we did, uh, the night before free agency, just, you know, luck would have it. Got a text from a general manager, and you'd um, be interested in uh, Ryan Murray. So I called him, and we talked about it. And Yarmo and I, have, uh, and it just it just made too much sense not to to do that and, and kind of check the box another box of finding a defenseman on the left side that can play on our top four. So gave us some breathing room going into uh, free agency, and then you know, I I had an idea. Again, these players, Janssen and and Murray are are players that we've, we've talked to their teams about, you know, Ryan Murray was a guy we talked about last year trading for, um, actually this past year. Um, and Janssen, we've always been, I've always been in touch with, uh, with Kyle Dubas, even going back to when, you know, he was going to move in or potentially move Janssen. So, you know, having your, your, your foot in the door is important. Um, they, they, they went out and made a, a a signing on the back end, Toronto did. And I figured, I figured I would hear from Kyle or, you know, I was calling Kyle and lo and behold, my phone rang and it's Kyle. Um, and we just went through this yesterday and, you know, at the end of the day, we, we we were able to, to come to an agreement on a deal. And, um, I just feel both these players that we've added, uh, make our teams better. And that's not you know, Joey Anderson's a, a hell of a player. Um, but we feel with Andreas, he he can he can be that complimentary player to one of Jack or 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 Nico. Um, and we're excited about that. Um and, and be able to slot guys in their, their right spots without pressure of, you know, um, pressure of feeling that they have to the burdens on them to carry our team offensively. So um, so we Along the long and short is that we, we had a checklist of things we wanted to do. Um, Goaltender was number one, and, and we, we accomplished that.
0: I want to circle back to what you said about Marty Brodeur. Can you give us some insights as to, you know, what that action was? Was it just simply a conversation with Corey Crawford and uh, his agent or and
4: or his agent? Yeah, well, my, you know, when you're when I'm looking at the available goaltenders, I think I, I don't think it's a, I think it would have been a dumb idea to think I could actually uh, put this, put this order in myself. Um, so through, through, through Marty and Scott Clements and, you know, they, they were hell bent on that, that order. Um, and then when Corey became available, you know, where he slotted in and we felt we slotted him properly. Um, and yeah, no, we, you know, Marty had a relationship with uh, the agent. And you know they were on the phone, and you got to remember when when you get into uh, free agency day, um, it can't be a one man band. I, I can't talk to every agent, so we break it up. You know, whether it's Dan McKinnon talking with uh, agents on on depth players over the organization and what makes sense for us, or, or Marty with with certain agents, um, and that's how it started. Uh, then there there was interest, and geez, it might be. Kind of reminds me of Chicago, you know, where we were at the start. Um, And then Marty got on the phone with them. And, you know, I think that really kind of catapulted the situation into a excitement. Um, And then, you know, then we got the deal done, which was, which was exciting.
1: We're talking a lot about goaltenders and I'm going to continue that trend here just because you have McKenzie who particularly last year played, you know, an absurd amount of games. And we saw where he dipped after he had played so many games and then eventually got some rest and came back, uh, you know, guns blazing again. But um, how do you see, and maybe this is better suited for Lindy, but how do you see that goaltending tandem, excuse me, um, in terms of games played for each, what do you think is the ideal scenario here?
4: Well, I, I'd like, you know, first I would say split 50-50. Um, yeah. That's just off the top of my head. Tandem to me is a 50-50 <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, however, like the, 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 the best part is the competition of that net. And right. if, if someone's playing extremely well, um, you know, will Lindy and I will talk about it. I, I personally like having a goaltender schedule out, and it doesn't matter if someone has a shutout. Um, again, I'll lean on Marty for, for those <laughs> kind of things, but I, 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 believe it shouldn't change change the, the, your strategy on on scheduling. Um, whether you won the night before and you're going to come back with that guy the next day, it's like you just you're riding a hot streak. I, I don't believe in it. Um, so I want, I want the tandem and I want them pushing each other uh, to be best. I also don't want one to get complacent saying, well, I'm playing Sunday. Cause that's my scheduled game and we can adjust it. It'll be a fluid situation, but I do believe competition drives athletes. Um, and whatever position that is. And I, you know, creating that right now with, with, uh, our goaltenders was important to us. Um, and we did that. We accomplished that, checked that box. Um, it's no different than, you know. Jack and Nico will be competing against each other every day and they're going to be pushing each other head to head, whether it's, you know, defensive zone coverage down low. I mean, they're going to make each other better. How quick can they do that? Where can that go? That's the unknown. But we believe both of those guys are going to be driving forces for each other to to get to their 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 potential.
1: So it sounds like more so than having any sort of timeline, it's about... Allowing internal competition to dictate that type of timeline, in terms sure. of getting, getting you know, being a championship caliber back into the playoffs.
4: For sure, um, you know, adding adding Andreas Johnson is going kind to of create competition between our wingers. Um, and you know, well, we don't know what's going to happen here. Maybe there's an opportunity to add somebody else uh, as well to, to deepen our our, our depth. Um, but it's, it should push everybody to say, well, we have an open spot up top and it's probably going to me. Uh, I don't want that that attitude. You know, I want, I want, I want to come into training camp where there's competition. I'd love nothing better for a younger player in our organization to push uh, for a spot and push some of our, I don't want to say our older guys, but um, some of our older <laughs> players that are older um, into to being the best that they can be.
0: Uh, You spoke of Janssen being a complimentary player for Jack or Nico. Can you tell us what skill set he brings and why he is a
4: fit with either one of those players? Well, he has sneaky skills, uh, hand skills, vision, um, shoots the puck well. Uh, I think what makes him, listen, he's not the tallest guy, um, but he's pretty thick. You know, he's, he's 195, close to 200 pounds, uh, bottom strong. He's, he's strong on pucks, quick, uh, you know, out of corners. But I, I think the thing that separates him from other small players, he's willing to get to the inside. He can get to the inside. He wants to get to the inside. He knows that's where he can do his, his best work from the inside. Um, and that, that creates space for skill. So as he's driving you know taking people with him in the net it's creating space out, out top for for our skilled sentiment to, to be able to make plays. Um, so those are those are attributes that uh, you, you, you love to have and, and I think the most important attribute that he has that he brings is he's, he's just a dog on the bone he just he, his work ethic is relentless um, and you know you just you can't have enough of those guys that's for sure
1: Have you felt that having the extra cap space um, that not every team really has has allowed you to um, make these types of deals without giving up too much? You know, you're essentially taking contracts from other teams that can't fit them under, and they probably want to keep those players.
4: We've always said, you know, if we can weaponize our our cap space to improve our team, um, we would do it. You know we did with with the Murray trade and um, we did it uh with andreas uh for a three year deal um, If I can continue to use the cap space to to really kind of put our put our future in a good spot um whether it's with draft picks or or younger players, if that comes comes my way I, I'd like to take advantage of that um because like i I've said over and over again like we know where we're we're at. As an organization and we're not going to go from zero to 60. We're going to do it the right way and we're going to compete. And uh, like Lindy Ruff's not sitting there saying we should go get Petriangelo. We should go get this guy. (laughs) He's not. He understands where we're at and and he's excited about that as am I. Um, But to watch these young players grow um, at their pace um, will be fun. Um, but we have to, we, there's got to be a good support system around, them, you know, and, and bringing Corey Crawford in um, and, and Ryan Murray um, and Andreas, you know, it's got, we've got some new blood, we've got, we created competition, we we plug some holes um, and we'll continue to look, you know, what the market uh, dictates and stay patient.
1: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, obviously, you know, Corey Schneider was a very big part of this organization for quite some time. I imagine that was not an easy conversation to have to have with someone like Corey, who really, truly, through thick and thin, embraced being a part of not just the New Jersey Devils, but the community in which he and Jill, his wife, lived. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, you're, you're bang on Amanda. And it was thus far in my career, the toughest call I had to make. Um, it was, it was extremely hard for me to make that call. Um, but you know, I wouldn't have made the call if I didn't feel it was the right thing to do for, for our team. Um, and, Corey is such a professional, and the way he handled that call, um, he he put me at ease. To be quite frank, he 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 made me feel comfortable, um, and that tells you what kind of person Corey Snyder is. You know, I only I, I've only known him since I've, I've been here. You know, we, technically we grew up a bunch of towns over from each other. Well, <laughs> we didn't grow up together. He's a lot younger than me, but you know. We, 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 you know, my boys went to to Boston College. His dad was my boys he was part of the mentorship there at Boston College. So um, we were connected in a lot of ways. You know, Jill is wife from the Boston area. Um, there's just there's just a lot that we were connected to, and that's that's what made it hard too. Um, but the way he handled it, and the way he made me at, at ease for for addressing it, um, it just tells you what kind of person is. Corey Schneider and, and Joe Schneider are going to be missed in our organization. Um, you know what they've done outside the organization. You you can't replace and and they were real people. They 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 were authentic. Um, and and what Corey did on the ice for us um, can never be overlooked. You know you know I, I I go back to when I first got here, and and Ray brought me in and you know the team wasn't very good and they are in the lottery that year in 15. And I remember Ray saying, he got a question from somebody about how close is your team? You know, how close is your team to getting better? And he said, we're we're one player away. And he meant basically by saying, if it was, Corey Schneider was that player, but if it wasn't for Corey Schneider, they probably had a great chance of landing Conor McDavid that year. So <laughs> um, that's how good Corey was. That's how good Corey was. Um, and, you know, hey, every player goes through you know a, a decline to be quite frank um and you know this this was about you know where we wanted to be and how to how to answer some questions um this was this was not about the person it was not about the family this was about you know what we needed to do on the ice and that's what made it you know extremely hard um but I felt it was the right decision yeah.
0: It is a business. There's a personal side to it. And sometimes they conflict. Uh, Tom, thank you very much uh, for spending some time with us. Uh, you've made that clear that it was a tough decision to make, but the others, listen, uh, it's all part of the building of this franchise. So thanks very much. Boy, Fitzy made sure that he got All the information out early, didn't he? I loved it. He left no stone unturned, but that's the way he does things. But I like the fact that, you know, when talking about Corey Crawford, he feels he got a starter. This is not Mackenzie Blackwood's job, Amanda, necessarily. He's got an important part to play without a doubt, but he's going to be pushed a little bit, and that's a good
1: thing. Yeah. um, I just want to say that his first answer to your question was six minutes long, uh, just over six minutes. And I'm like, looking down at my paper, I'm like, yep. He talked about that. Yep. He's like, what am I going to ask him
0: now? Touched all the bases.
1: (laughs) Touched all the bases. So he knows what he's doing. Um, Yeah. But that's exactly what you want. And I think, you know, Catherine and Chris would agree that one of the things we hear about from Tom Fitzgerald is internal competition and how, you know, not only is it important to be uh, to have that competition on the ice against your opponents, but to become a better team, you're required to have internal competi- competition and that's what you need for someone, especially in a goaltending position. Chris,
0: yeah, you, know, you know Corey a bit, right? Mm-hmm. We all do. What do we know about him or what do you know about him that that we'll
2: find out? Well, I think that there's a reason why the leadership in the Blackhawks locker room spoke out about him leaving and how it was a shock. I mean, this guy was a quiet leader in the locker room, but even more than that, he was consistent. You knew what you were going to get out of him uh, year after year. I mean, obviously, all goaltenders have bad nights, but this is a guy that's been in the league for a very long time and he's only had two seasons below the 917 save percentage he had last year. So he's consistently one of the top goaltenders in the league and he's an overperformer in the playoffs. He's just been fantastic for the Chicago Blackhawks and I think, you know, speaking with some media members from Chicago, I know some of the players there, one of the things is is that they feel he's underrated. And I think that a lot of times people are like, what do you mean he's underrated? He's a Stanley Cup championship winning goaltender. Yeah, but look at those teams that he had in front of him. You know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp. The list of superstars goes on and on with Chicago. Where does Corey Crawford fit on that list? I think it's a lot lower than it should be. I mean, he's an excellent goaltender and he's a veteran leader. He's a quiet guy. I think you're going to learn that very quiet. He's not going to go yelling, rah, 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 but he's he's going to practice really well. The guys are going to feed off that. And I think he's the perfect complement to Mackenzie Blackwood. And I could see close to an even split in net this year. That's just my opinion. I think it's going to be really, really close because you didn't bring him into just to be a mentor. This guy's going to ride and he's going to get some games. And if he's hot, he's probably going to get a string of games. And it's not, uh, you know, it's not bad on Mackenzie. It's just that you've brought in a Stanley cup championship winning goaltender coming off a pretty decent season on a team that let's just say was pretty porous defensively. So you're going to let him play a little bit. And so I really like the signing. And like I said, underrated, I totally agree with that assessment from people that call him that. I think he's just low down on the list when people are thinking of stars in Chicago, but I think he should be much higher. I love the signing. I think it was the perfect compliment to Mackenzie Blackwood. And I think he'll be really, really good for the locker room, not just for the goalies, in the system but for everybody really
3: i agree with that chris i mean to have a goaltender who has won multiple stanley cups to have a man who has played in the league and knows what it takes because we have to remember sure these we have a young team and they're getting nhl experience but they also haven't been to a stanley cup playoff where they're in the eastern conference finals yet so they need someone who's been in a conference final to tell them about The pressure and to talk to them about what it's like when you are in a typical playoff maybe not this year because it was a bubble and it was very different but to be able to gain someone like that who can help these younger players realize exactly what it takes to get that championship because Tom is building this team to be a franchise that can compete for multiple championships like the devils of the past were but a lot of those devils of the past are no longer in a position where they can really be in the locker room with these guys every day except maybe Dano when he comes down for media to talk with the guys so this is a very big mentorship part as well which Chris you were touching on I know the underrated part is huge about Corey and adding him to the organization but having a mentor like that who is also still playing incredibly well is very rare to find in this league especially in a goaltender position
1: Maddie, I think one of the most important stats that we haven't mentioned yet, but touches on both what Chris and Catherine were saying, is that from January 1st, 2020, until the season was paused, Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Crawford were both in the top 10 in the league in save percentages, with save percentages over 925. You don't necessarily think of Corey Crawford, you know, automatically automatically when you think of that position, but they rank number eight and nine. So just those numbers alone, if they can both keep their paces, the Devils are set.
0: Yeah, the Devils and their fans waited into the night on Friday, the first day of free agency before the deal was announced. And so it was on Saturday that Corey uh, spoke with the media and he had a chance to sit down with Amanda and Chris, let's run that interview now.
1: Well, welcome to our newest uh, goaltender, Corey Crawford. Thank you so much for joining Chris and I. It is so great to see you.
5: Hi, right, nice to see you guys. Thanks.
1: So, what have the last couple of hours been like for you? Because this was the first time in your career that you were hitting the free agent market.
5: Uh, it was pretty hectic, I would say. Uh, you know, with um, you know getting the news of uh, leaving Chicago and then. And then having a free agency the next day, and uh, you know a few teams calling. Uh, it was uh, back and forth with uh, just uh, some uncertainty. And then uh, you know having New Jersey call with uh, with Marty and uh, uh, Broder calling me, and um, you know that was that was pretty cool. And uh, you know to have them uh, explain things out and and kind of give me uh, give me the rundown on on uh, what they want to do and and how much excitement they had to uh, to have me uh, join the team was, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. That uh, that made me feel a lot better about things and, uh, you know, I was excited <laughs> to, to, to go through with it and, and join the team.
2: When you have yeah, a guy Jim. like Martin, oh. oh, sorry, man, I was just saying. No, no, go when ahead, have, go ahead, Chris. I, I wanted to ask about a follow-up on that because when you have a guy like Martin Berdour on the call, I mean – what kind of weight does that hold with a free agent like yourself? I mean, that's got to be a pretty surprise for you.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a big surprise. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I'm from Montreal. Uh, Marty was uh, a pretty big idol of mine growing up. Uh, you know, I watched him and Jersey, uh, when they were winning cups. So, uh, to, to talk to him on the phone was, uh, was pretty cool. It was pretty special. And, uh, you know, it, uh, definitely, Definitely uh, persuaded me to uh, think uh, think about Jersey and uh, and what they can offer.
1: Was Marty one of the people as a young Montreal hockey player that influenced you to be a goaltender, or was that just something you fell into naturally?
5: Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know Patrick uh, Patrick. Yeah. Waltz, uh, being from Montreal, Patrick Wall was uh, was the reason I, I wanted to be a goalie and and uh and, and then uh I started idolizing uh Marty um you know he was, he was unbelievable uh just how good he was with the different style of play and um you know he was fun to watch and um you know I had uh, I still have the the, the heaven uh, VHS I think back home uh, from when they won and, um so uh you know I have a lot of uh a lot of history and a lot of memories just uh, from watching them. and um, But also, you know, that, you know, he talked about uh, how good this, this young core is and, um, you know, the talent. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that part and,
1: uh, you know, uh, joining the team and being able to see uh, what those young kids can do it's funny because we're both around the same age from the Montreal area. And what I remember of Marty is him coming into the Bell Centre or the Forum and just like absolutely stonewalling the Montreal Canadiens. So that's always been my memory of Marty up until I started working here. Um, You talk about the young core. This is kind of a similar scenario for you in the sense that, you know, you won the Cup twice with Chicago with the Young Corps um, in the Canes and the Taves. But you're in a kind of different situation now where you're the veteran guy watching and mentoring the Young Corps in New Jersey. What excites you about that? And maybe what did you learn from your experience in Chicago that can help you with that?
5: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to... Uh... It's hard to imagine myself as a mentor. <laughs> and, I get but, it. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, exactly, you're exactly right. Um, you know, I came in a little bit later, uh, with Chicago, but it, it feels like the same kind of scenario with the, the young group, uh, coming up and, and, uh, all the skill and talent they have. And, and, um, you know, I, I've said before that, you know, things change fast and, and, uh, you know, you could be uh, on the top pretty quick and uh, especially with uh, the draft picks they've made and uh, who they have on the team. Uh, you know, I was excited to to, to join Jersey and, and try and help out as best I could.
2: What do you think? Obviously, you're coming in to compete and you're coming in to play and win games in net. You have Mackenzie Blackwood. He's a young goaltender. He took strides last season. When you're in that goaltending room, you're the veteran guy. You've been in this position before with a younger guy behind you or with you uh, in that goalie room. What do you think is the biggest way that you can benefit a young player like Mackenzie Blackwood, a young goaltender? What kind of advice can you give him? Or just uh, your showing how hard you work, is that kind of your angle with him?
5: Yeah, yeah. I'm more of a quiet guy. Uh, I, I've had great relationships with younger guys that, that came in Chicago, and uh, I actually loved it. And, um, you know, so. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I've had some experience with that. And, um, and I said, uh, Blackwood is, uh, I, I was uh, really surprised at how, how great a young goalie is. And, um, you know, I, I'm just happy to, to join uh, a guy like that. And, um, you know, it's a good situation to, uh, to feed off each other and, and just have that just a natural chemistry of, uh, you know, trying to get better and, and be competitive together. When you were the coaching
1: staff is obviously, sorry, Chris, the coaching staff is obviously filling itself out um, with many new coaches. Was it a concern to you at all that there is no goaltending coach yet? And that search is still, still on right now by Lindy Ruff and um, Tom Fitzgerald just in terms of fitting in. And, you know, that's an important relationship.
5: Yeah, that's a big part. That's a big part. Um, you know, I talked to uh, Marty about it a little bit Um they still uh, obviously haven't made a decision, but uh, you know who knows. Uh, maybe maybe I can uh, help influence a little bit, um, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm sure he knows. Uh, he knows what he's doing too, and he knows uh, he's been through it all, and he knows what the goalies need, and um, you know he has plenty of experience uh, in that in that part. So I definitely trust his his judgment, and uh, you know whoever he's going to pick.
2: Obviously it was your first time testing out the free agent market. You already mentioned about it being a whirlwind and and now you're excited for uh, a change of scenery and, and, you know, a a new opportunity. But I want to ask when you were heading into it, did you give your agent maybe one, two, three, four bullets with what you were looking for for the right fit? Because I know fit is super important for you.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to play, I want to play a ton of games. Um, you know that that was uh that was the thing i really really wanted but um you know talking with jersey we 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 didn't really we didn't really go over it that much um you still i still have to uh to prove myself and and show that i can that i can play that much and um but uh really it was uh it, it was wide open i wasn't really um I wasn't really picking, uh, certain, certain teams or, or anything like that. Um, it was, uh, I think it was mostly who, who was most interested and, uh, wanted me to be there the most.
1: We've done a lot of the business talk about joining the team, but one of the things we really like to do as well, um, is get to know you away from the rink, who you are. And, you know, you said you're a quiet guy, but what do you like to do to unwind whether it's from a game or when you have your summer months, what interests, what other interests do you have?
5: Uh, I, li- I like, uh, mountain biking and, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I like cars. I have a couple, uh, couple uh, muscle cars. So, uh, you know, th- those are uh, two, two of my main interests, but, uh, with two, two young kids now, uh, you know, dinosaur, <laughs> uh, mini hockey, uh, have gone to the top of the list. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I've enjoyed, uh, the family life now and, uh, you know, uh, time with them has been great.
1: So does that mean you have to find a house in Jersey where you can house your muscle cars or
5: <laughs> yeah, <that would laughs> where, nice. where are they? That would be <laughs> nice. I haven't had a time to, to drive them that much. so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, That would be nice. We actually have a place uh, in park city, Utah that uh, we get out to every once in a while. And, um you know that's a great place to to relax and i, I have a chance to do that stuff there and but uh, yeah we'll see i'm excited <laughs> to to get to jersey and and uh, you know feel
2: it out and see uh, see where we want to go when i get the opportunity Corey, i love asking this question because it kind of puts a player on the spot but you mentioned your hobbies we already kind of knew a couple of those but tell fans in jersey something that they don't know about you
5: They don't know about me. Oh, I'm terrible. They'll get put on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's a good question. I like it. It takes a while to get to know me. I think, uh, like I said, I'm a pretty quiet guy. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess the muscle car thing. I enjoy working on on cars. The mountain biking. uh, uh, Being from Montreal, uh, I can speak a little bit of French. Amanda will test you on that. No, I bet you speak better <laughs> French than you think
1: you do because I feel the exact same way. Yeah,
5: yeah exactly. But, uh, uh with
1: yeah. your muscle cars, like, are you, do you, do you work on them or like, are you just like to have them? Like what's, what's that yeah, interest there?
5: I'm, I'm, I'm almost in the, in the in-between spot. Right okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love them, uh, growing up and, and one of my buddies back home, he, he's, uh, he knows everything about them and, uh, all the technical stuff. And, and actually, uh, I got a chance to uh, to build a car here in Chicago for charity. Wow. Um, so I got to learn a lot more. And, uh, you know, um, so that part of, that part I really liked, uh, you know, so um, I'm, I'm doing that more and more. And, uh, you know, it's just something <laughs> to, to relax and get your mind off, uh, off of hockey all the time.
1: What was your first car that you drove?
5: Uh, I, I bought it. Remember what it was? <laughs> The first car I ever, I ever... Yeah,
1: yeah, like when you first got your first ever car.
5: It was uh, a five-speed Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> a day... <laughs> a day five-speed. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that was a good car. That was a good car. <laughs> Apart from the, the, the time when the window fell out, completely fell out into, uh, into, my, <laughs> into my dad's arms. But uh, other than that, that thing was pretty pretty solid
1: <laughs> that's amazing the window falling out well
2: what about uh now let you hit the enhance button here so what what's the greatest car you've ever owned or at least your most favorite to drive how about that
5: my most favorite to drive uh, i have a, a 69 camaro that's uh redone with the nls uh nls motor it's a 427 um so that that one's a little bit lowered um you know, it's uh, more like a track car, so that, that one's fun to drive.
1: Are your boys into like Hot Wheels and stuff? I mean, obviously, you're you're you have a six month old, but you're your three year old.
5: Yeah, he's uh, he's probably got like 200 Hot Wheels. Or... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but do you have more fun yeah. with them, or does he have more fun with them?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be me. I yeah, Not that interested in them. Yeah, but he's got a ton of them for sure.
6: Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much, Corey, for joining us. Welcome to New Jersey. Um, we're really looking forward to having you here and uh, pack up those muscle cars and hopefully you find a house with a big enough crush.
5: <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Nice talking to you guys. Yeah,
1: thank you, you Corey. As,
5: well. as we wrap things up with uh, Corey Crawford, I want to
0: get back to something you mentioned, Chris, and his position on those championship Chicago teams. I'm not comparing him. To Marty Brodeur. What I am saying though is, Marty never got the credit in many ways that he deserved because people said, oh, it's the system. Oh, they play the trap. Oh, he doesn't face that many shots. And so sometimes we know how important the goalie is, but sometimes a goalie's not given the credit. It's not Marty's fault he played on a defensive oriented team, although many years they led the league or near the top in scoring. Uh, and it's not Corey Crawford's fault that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were scintillating and you know, Duncan Keith and, and, and Seabrook were doing their things. So, yeah, Corey didn't get the credit that he deserved, and sometimes Marty Brodeur didn't either.
2: Absolutely, you're right, uh, Maddie. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, we're not going to sit here on a Devil's podcast and compare the two, like you said, but oh, no, but no, yeah. but no it, it's it is similar situations. And then when you have a really really good team in front of the goaltender, you kind of tend to forget but you still need a really good goaltender to win multiple cups. And I I, I just sit here and I look at the, the free agent market for goaltenders and what did Tom Fitzgerald wanted to hit on? He wanted a good mentor for Mackenzie Blackwood. He wanted a guy who could split time in between the nets and give them solid goaltending and win them games. Because what has he said all along? I want to be competitive this year. So, you know, he's not, you know, making stuff up about where he feels the team is, but he does want to be competitive and win games. So when I look at Corey Crawford, I'm like, okay, checks the box of a good locker room guy, checks the box of a good mentor for Mackenzie Blackwood as he trying to develop him, and checks the box of being a good goaltender that can win you a lot of hockey games. So I think it was just a really good move all around. And uh, I think Devils fans should be really excited to see him uh, in uh, a different shade of red and black.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing Corey Crawford between the pipes with the Devils. So in the Devils' history, they've had a Chico. They've had a Pep, as in Pepe Le Pew. Claude Lemieux, who told me he got the nickname because he's like the stomp, the skunk, a bit of a stinker on the ice. They've had a mad dog in John Madden. They've never had a mango. I don't think there's ever been a player who's had a nickname that was a fruit. But we do now, Catherine Bogart, Andreas Janssen, whose nickname is Mango, and he said he got it back when he was younger in Sweden. I'm not sure if that's the full story, but we'll stick with it. Yeah. Mango is part uh, mango uh, Mango is part of the devils moving forward
3: he said it was back in high school and sure this might be his media answer story on how he got the nickname but he said it was back in high school he in you know, sweden they would say you know you're a man and then go when you're skating and you're on the ice so it would be man go like go up the ice and he said that that turned into mango we'll see we'll have to have some fun on social media with it i know our social Media team is just so excited to use Mango, but it is a fun nickname to add to the devil's mix.
0: Amanda, he's selling. Are you buying on that mango? Well,
1: first of all, when he I didn't even understand like what he was saying. Like I could I couldn't follow the story because Catherine, you summed it up really like succinctly, but when he was explaining it, I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now, but I don't know, it doesn't. Maybe, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just glad that there's an emoji that's a mango. (laughs) Sort of makes things easier. Um, But it'll be interesting to see if, you know, he really doesn't know many people in the Devil's locker room, really just Connor Carrick from their time in Toronto and with the Marlies. But will that nickname stay, you know, or will it go? Sometimes locker rooms make up their own nicknames for guys. But especially, you know, there's a lot of Swedes on this team now. We've really dominated there um so maybe it'll stick maybe it won't but i don't know if i'm totally buying that you know pg story
0: (laughs) here's what i'm buying though he can score and he goes to the hard areas of the ice chris and as tom fitzgerald said you don't have to necessarily be 6'4 220 pounds and that's not the the dimensions that tom used but you don't have to be like that a fighter to be hard to play against. And he referenced the fact that there were guys he played against that, boy, at the end of that shift, you were like, oh my goodness, uh, he's just made my life hard. And that's what Andreas Johnson did in Toronto. He was hard to play against.
2: Yeah, you know, I really like the quote Tom Fitzgerald had dog on a bone. And I think that Devils fans should be excited to have one of those in what I believe is going to be top six role. Uh, when you have a guy, when you have guys like, Nico heischer and jack hughes it's very important that you go get them pucks and i think that that's an area that the devils really needed to improve on versus last year in which they lost a lot of puck battles specifically in their own end but you win the puck and you get the puck on the tape of your your horses so to speak and they're gonna be successful they're gonna have more looks at the net And then you have a guy like Jansen who goes hard to the net, and that's going to help bury more goals too. This is a guy where we haven't really seen his ceiling yet. We know that he can score 20 goals at the NHL level, but he's been battling through some injuries. I'd like to see him in a top-six role on this team, build some chemistry with a Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, and see where his ceiling could potentially be. I don't want to put numbers on it, but I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility this guy could score 25 goals for the New Jersey Devils.
0: And they've got him for three more years, uh, Amanda. We had a chance to speak with him, and boy, th- we left some of the hockey stuff aside, didn't we? We, we got into some real personal <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm geographic. Really I'm inter- looking
1: forward for our fans <laughs> to hear. A simple exchange between Maddie and Andreas about music and I don't want to spoil it but it was possibly one of the funniest exchanges I've had in a while because I don't think either of them knew exactly what was going on.
0: Yes indeed a goat and music part of our conversation with Andreas Johnson. Andreas, it's uh, great to meet with you. Someday we'll do it face-to-face, but welcome to the New Jersey Devils. My question to you is, where were you and what was the reaction when you found out that you were being traded?
7: Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I was... uh, uh, My brother plays in Sweden uh, and he he came to Gothenburg, where I live. Uh, So we were out uh, eating. uh, And then... uh, We've been talking before uh, it might happen, and then it, and then uh, then it happened. I got a text from my agent saying I got traded. So, uh, I mean, I didn't. Uh, uh, I mean, I was a little bit nervous first, and then you know, then I re- then I got the call and said it was uh, nearest to Devils. You know, I got uh, so I got excited here and been uh, searching uh, how the nearest to uh, the town are and and stuff. So, I mean, excited.
0: Well, we are excited uh, to have you join us, of course, and looking forward to what you will bring uh, to the team. Did you have any idea? Like you said, you you had an idea, I should say. What made you think it was possible that Toronto would trade you?
7: Uh, it's uh, it's been a t- uh, they have a t- uh, tight cap space there, uh, you know. there's been a lot of rumors and stuff, and I mean. Uh, I mean it was uh so I, I just had it in mind and just had to prepare uh, a little bit. I mean you can't go around and think you're going to get get created for sure but you know I had an I mean uh had it could uh, it would be a chance so uh yeah.
1: For uh fans who don't really know what your game is like, can you describe what type of player you are and how you see yourself fitting in?
7: Uh you know Burkhardt guy, uh, can both play offense, defense, uh, first shooter, uh, uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I like that you said you started off by saying uh, work hard because that's something that we often hear about who you are as a player. And I do believe a lot of that working hard probably comes from what you experienced when you were younger when you were diagnosed with um, asthma. Tell me a little bit about how finding out you had asthma really changed for you your path in hockey.
7: Um, I mean, before. when I didn't know uh, I had asthma, I, I mean, I I got really tired during the days and you no know, s- slept a lot and didn't know how other guys uh, I mean could do other stuff outside hockey and have energy and uh, I mean and then I found out I had asthma and that that changed a lot both in hockey and then uh, even outside having. I mean, not being tired all, uh, all of a sudden, and I mean, so it was. A, uh, I mean, a big, big difference for me. Um, and then back home in in Gothenburg, where I played in Sweden, they they demand you to skate a lot and work hard there. And I think, uh, I mean, that that got that kind of got normalised for me uh, when I got over. And uh, I mean, when it's a little bit uh, when it's smaller ice too is. Uh, You don't have to skate that much either, so I think that that helped me, too. Gothenburg, a beautiful
0: city. We had a chance to be there a couple of falls ago uh, when the New Jersey Devils played there and just uh, enjoyed our time immensely in your city, which is not your hometown. Yavala, which is a little farther north of that, I think I got that right, is your hometown, correct? Yeah, that's correct, All right, so a couple of things and you're kind enough not to actually correct me if I made it <laughs> if I was off just a little bit. I'll get it right before long. So tell me about the Yavala goat.
7: They uh, they made it out of of hay and uh I mean it's uh, uh it's a it's a Swedish thing with uh, with that, uh especially up north and uh it's It's pretty big and uh and usually the the people in the town burn it down as a tradition uh even if the town doesn't want that but uh, do it anyway so
0: oh, I knew enough about it to know that they had burnt it down and it it's garnered worldwide attention people there's a camera focused on it to see when that moment will occur when someone will sneak in and set fire to
7: the goat it's 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 a phenomenon isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a phenomenon. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. How about music? What kind of music do you like? Because there are two groups. I, ha- I have to admit, I looked it up. That call uh, Yavala your ho- uh, hometown, their hometown, the Deer Tracks and the Sound of Arrows. Are you a fan of either one of those electronic music groups?
7: One more time, I didn't hear you with the, the huh. groups
0: there. The 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 Deer Tracks. And the other one, the the deer, deer, the deer tracks. Yes, uh, you're learning about them as I am, apparently. The sound of arrows being the other group, an electronic music uh, duo, I believe that is that call Yavala their hometown.
7: Not on your playlist, playlist, I guess. Well, I, <laughs> no, I guess that's not in my playlist.
0: <laughs> I'll be honest. Not on mine either, but I'll give it a little listen on the on the ride home. That's for sure.
7: (laughs) You have to show me
0: what this is. (laughs) uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) So,
1: so what type of things do you like to do away from the rink? Like, how do you keep yourself busy when you're not focusing on hockey, not practicing, all those types of things?
7: Uh, I mean, I honestly, I don't have a special thing really uh, that I do, but I do like to be outside. Going on walks, or I mean, see new places, go to new restaurants or cafeterias. You know, it's uh, uh, it's called feet get back home in Sweden. You just go have a coffee at a coffee shop, and you know that's a good time for sweet. So, uh, yeah, just do stuff like that. Just move around a little bit.
1: What's your favorite type of restaurant? Is there like a food that you really enjoy eating?
7: I would say. Pasta is uh, really good.
1: Seems like a, a, a one that we hear often. And just one more from me. Um, you know, I, I've read about the fact that you've you've done for a couple of years gymnastics. Tell me a little bit about why training in a gymnastic type's environment has helped you.
7: Um, I um, think in beginning, I did, did a lot of strength and uh, uh, and I was strong, but I didn't I didn't get it out fully on the ice. As I wanted to, and then uh, started gymnastic with a with a guy who's been doing that for a long time, and then uh, working with hockey players uh, a bit. So, uh, I mean, it's a lot of balance and a lot of, to know to know your muscles uh, to use them in correct way and and not overuse other muscles too. So, I mean, it's been it's been great for my hockey career for sure.
0: Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. We look forward to having, give me that name again when you go out for coffee Fika? Fika, yes. We'll have a little coffee together. There are plenty of places near Prudential Center, and maybe we'll share listening to the deer tracks or the sound of arrows. We shall see. Andreas, thank like you so song. much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Again, looking forward to meeting you in person. I guarantee his playlist is a bit more <laughs> modern than mine, quite frankly, but I look forward to sharing, exchanging some thoughts on music with Andreas Johnson. This next player that we had a chance to speak with was acquired uh, in a deal. And, uh, you know, Chris, I think. I won't say this is the most impactful sign because health is critical to Ryan Murray's success. And we know he's battled some back issues, but the Devils got pinned in there. And so often last year, they couldn't get out of their own zone. The four check against them uh, would cause havoc. And then when they did get out of the zone, they were so tired, they just dumped it in and gave the puck back to the opponent. Ryan Murray will help in that area. His passes are tape to tape, aren't they?
2: They are. He, he can move the puck. Uh, he knows how to get it out of the zone. He's got a good reach, good stick. This guy, I still don't think we've seen his full potential because he has battled injuries in the past. But this is a guy who was on Team North America. And if you guys remember that from the World Cup in 2016, that was a damn good team. So like it was, and they were a lot of fun to watch. And if you made that team, it meant you were one of the best Players in the world at that age group. So I really like his potential, obviously being the second overall pick, you know, that he's a good prospect. He's a good young player, but he's consistent as well. I think Tom Fitzgerald is exactly right. He's going to come stabilize the left side of the top four, Um, you know, and it's not the flashiest of defenders, but I don't think the Devils really need that. And uh, I overheard a GM in the past speak about how if you can't get that number one bona fide, he's the guy, he's the franchise defender, it's good to have multiple number twos just to help kind of fill out your lineup on the back end. And I think Ryan Murray gives him that. Um, and I also know that he's a vet now. He's played a lot of games in the NHL, he's seen it all. So if he is able to stay healthy, I think he could potentially take that next step. But more than anything, stabilization is the key word of this signing.
1: Well, for me, it's not only about the stabilization, you know, stabilizing that side. It's what you had to give up to get him right? It's using an asset of a fifth round pick to acquire him that doesn't hamper the current lineup that, you know, it's a fifth round pick. And yes, you know, you have those seventh round picks who do end up making it and becoming superstars, but that sort of, less likely. So here's someone that can come help, especially mentoring some younger defensemen that will come up through the system in the next couple of years. If you can hang on to Ryan Murray for a little bit longer um, and you've only given up a fifth round pick. And I think that's the most notable thing about the trades that have been made by Tom Fitzgerald. The assets that you're giving up are in no way hampering the longevity of this team and Uh, allowing you to really keep your prospect pool relatively intact.
3: And with him, you're, it's going to be exciting to see him really embrace coming into a new franchise. Anytime you come into a new franchise, you want to leave a mark quickly. You want to show that you were worth the trade you're worth giving up that fifth round pick for. And for him, there always is an asterisk when people are talking about him based on his injuries as of late, but the, probable silver lining of coronavirus has given these players a lot more time to rehab injuries, to build up the strength. A lot of times in an off season, you don't have months on months on months to spend in physical therapy, spend strengthening it up. So for him, that'll be a great opportunity for him to come in healthy to the devils new franchise and say, you know what, let's show what I can do. And let's show that I really will be a top four D pairing on the left
1: side. Lots well, Matty, Matt, Matt, in one of the games in the, um, the bubble, like a quadruple over, didn't he play something like 35 minutes, 60 he minutes? Like, I don't remember what it was, but if there's any indication of whether he's able to sustain, you know, some pressure there when it comes to his injuries, playing 35, 40 minutes in a quadruple overtime game should certainly make you feel pretty good about his health.
0: Well, let's hear from Ryan Murray as he joins the Devils via
6: trade from Columbus.
1: Ryan, thanks so much for joining us.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: All right, so take me through the last 12 hours or so. I'm sure it's been a little bit of a whirlwind.
6: Yeah, a lot of phone calls, a lot of texts, um, just friends and family and and teammates and stuff like that. Just kind of saying goodbyes (laughs) and, uh, you know, phone calls and stuff like that
0: you have stated that you somewhat saw it coming. Nonetheless, it still has to be a bit of an emotional blow when the finality of it hits yet you have a new opportunity here. So you can, can you discuss the swings and emotions of leaving the team that drafted you, but getting a fresh start here with the devils?
6: Yeah, I've been there a long time. It's uh, you know, it's definitely emotional. Um, You know, knowing that you're knowing that you're leaving just from all the, all the memories and all the guys that you play with and, uh, been there a long time with with a lot of guys for the you know my whole career and um, you know that was tough and just you know talking with those guys it was pretty it was pretty strange just kind of saying goodbye and knowing that we weren't going to play play together again was was definitely weird um, but uh, yeah moving on getting a fresh start I think is a good thing um, and just kind of a new experience and um, you know I think that in New Jersey a lot of skill there and a lot of a good young talent and um, I'm just really excited to get going with them.
1: Well, and you won't be alone in the sense that you do know someone already uh, on the Devils roster. And Damon Severson, you're both Saskatchewan guys. I know you've played together, or rather, against each other quite a bit as kids. I mean, you've reached out to him. He reached out to you. What have you heard from him so far?
6: Yeah, I just, I just called him there last night, right when I heard. And then we just talked, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, And then I just kind of texted him and said, yeah, let's catch up in the next couple of days. And um, just to ask about, you know, the city and and living arrangements, stuff like that. Just a lot of questions like that. So it's good to definitely have a contact like him. And he's a great guy. So good to ask you guys. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to playing with him.
0: We're gonna get even more local than just a provincial connection. My radio partner is a Regina-born guy, Chico Resch, and he's always been excited about anybody who comes from the town. Uh, tell us a little bit about growing up in Regina, in Saskatchewan, it's, it's a well-known town. Tell us a little bit about your start in hockey there.
6: Yeah, I was just outside in White City in Pilot Butte where I grew up just outside, uh, it's like 10 minutes outside.
0: By the way Chico does say that he said every, everybody's born in Regina but there's so many yeah. smaller towns outside that they go Yeah exactly okay.
6: everyone's born in the city and then um, but yeah it was it was hockey all the time pretty much and me and you know all all my buddies and stuff and we played together growing up and then you know everyone kind of broke off went to the Western League or uh, junior A or whatever so um, but yeah a lot of great memories growing up and playing and then uh, still come back here every summer and, and hang out with them and still, you know, everyone, uh, everyone's stuck around. So it's good to always come back after every season and kind of catch up with everyone.
0: It's a well-known story. Uh, you grew up, your dad suggested you'd watch that guy, number 27, out there. He's a pretty good player. Scott Niedermeyer, one of the all-time greats. His number retired. It's just above us here as we record this. So you'll have a new number. We'll get to that in a second. But what was it uh, about Niedermeyer that you tried to integrate into your game? Because you're a very good skater yourself.
6: Yeah, he's just such a, I mean, he's such a good skater, such a good player. Um, you know, saw the ice so well. Obviously, one of the best to ever play. So, um, yeah, he was—he was just one guy that my dad would always point out and, and say to watch him. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to be fond of a guy like that and how he plays and um, everything you hear about him as a person. So, obviously, he did some great things in Jersey. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to change my number this season.
0: <laughs> yeah, the three cups that his uh, name is engraved on are memorialized with banners hanging over our shoulder. So have you thought about a number? I know there's so many things that must run through your head. Is there another number that, uh, that you think you might want to put on? By the way, hint, hint, don't go for three or four.
6: They're retired as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I got uh, to go through them a little bit and, and see. But hold on, someone's knocking on my door here. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay.
0: Someone's knocking on the door. <laughs> Is it Damon. Has Damon arrived. <laughs> okay, we're going
6: so for about num- 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, no, no worries. We'll be quick. So, the number will have to wait at this point.
6: Yeah, yeah. I got I to think about that one for sure.
1: All right. So, when you think about or when other players think about you, can you describe what type of defenseman you are, especially, you know, maybe to Devils fans who aren't as familiar with your play? Right.
6: Uh, yeah, I just think I'm a two way guy, two way D man. Um, you know, take care of my own end first and chip in offensively whenever I can. Um, but yeah, I just try to play a solid two way game and kind of a pass first
7: guy.
1: You know, Gerald uh, said in the press release when they announced that you were joining the club was that he sees you slipping in right away as one of those veteran guys that can help what will be a younger defensive core. Um, and he sees you in that top four role at some point. Um, what does that say to you when your new GM, who you haven't suited up for a game for him yet, says, this is where we see him and where we want him?
6: Well, everyone wants opportunity, right? Everyone wants to play and everyone wants to uh, to have a big role. And whatever role they give me, just want to do the best with it that I can and, and do whatever I can to help the team win. That's kind of uh, the first and foremost. And usually the game's easier when you, when you take those priorities. So, you know, I just want to help the team win any way that I can in whatever role they give me.
0: We know about your back issues. We also know that a lot of work has been done over the last six months, eight months or so, so that you won't be as affected by them as you were. Can you tell us about some of the things you now have to do in order to retain full health?
6: Yeah, it's just an everyday thing. Every day, uh, you know, maintaining, rehabbing um, the training and just kind of keeping an eye on it. Um, you know, it's probably going to be like that forever now. But if you know, the understanding from the doctors is if you, if you keep, keep it well and, and keep an eye on it and keep, uh, keep doing the right things, and you're going to be fine. So um, it's definitely been a learning experience the last couple of years with that. But, uh, you know, the place that I'm at right now, I'm feeling really good, and so I'm really happy with that.
1: Ryan, I know it's been whirlwind. Do you have any idea when you think you'll uh, be able to come down to Jersey and just sort of get acclimated? We obviously don't know much about the season, but what's your plan there?
6: Um, I have no idea right now just kind of waiting it out like everyone else I guess Um, you know just talking about kind of moving some stuff out of Columbus and dealing with that first and then and then everything else I mean I guess when they set a date or something then kind of start making some plans but uh, until then just kind of waiting like everyone else
1: well Ryan we can't we 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 are very excited to have you as part of the team we can't wait to see you down here in Jersey Uh, I know Maddie feels the same way so thank you so much for joining us
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. So, we've heard from the general manager. We've heard from Corey Crawford, Andreas Johnson, and just recently here, Ryan Murray. Those are the big three acquired by the Devils by Tom Fitzgerald. But we may be doing something like this again in the near term. I don't know when the newest Devil will be with us, but there is another Devil coming someplace, I believe, Chris. Uh, I think if you look at the Devils' lineup, there are still some spots where holes need to be filled. in Now it takes two to tango and you know there's still some players to sign but what term do they want, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. but I don't think this is a complete team by any means at this point.
2: No, I would agree with that Matt and we we talked about that recently over the last couple of days of just kind of like when is that next shoe going to drop and I I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I'm looking at it and I, and Again, we, off the top, we talked about patience being a key word with Tom Fitzgerald. This is a guy that's not going to be bullied into making a move really quick. He's very, he knows what his assets are. He understands the value of the market. He understands the value of trades. And I think he understands that there are still more teams that are cap strapped that are waiting to make their moves. So he's in a position of power in this. And I think he's just going to lean back and just take a minute uh, just because he's not signing free agents left and right. Doesn't mean he doesn't realize that they need more players. I think he's just waiting for the right value to come along and he's waiting to see where the market plays out. And guys, I know that fans want more moves because they're fun, well, we want more moves. We want more hockey to talk about, right sure. guys. But I think that the, the long, uh, around the league, you listen to all these GMs talk, they're all saying the same thing which is that this market is moving as slow as molasses. It's taking time for all the franchises around the league. So I don't think Tom Fitzgerald is already not going to be rushed into things. But when you add that to how slow this market is, I think it might be a while. But free agency doesn't end today. And trades don't end today. So he's got time.
1: Well, you talk about shoe to drop and moves. Let's not forget that there are two very internal discussions that also have to, that will provide us news. And there's two very key RFAs, restricted free agents in Mackenzie Blackwood and Jesper Bratt, who both also need new deals heading into this season. So it might not be an acquisition from the outside that we can get excited about, but two internal signings could be really huge, especially if you consider you know, when we have the contract in front of us and we can talk about the length or how much it is and all those things. That's gonna be just as exciting, I think, for the fan base because McKenzie in particular is extremely popular and so is Jasper Bratt for that matter. I don't wanna not give him his credit. Those are two guys that um, are very popular among the fan base and very popular amongst the front office. I feel like in the year
3: 2020, we're all so consumed with a new breaking news, a new headline every hour. So let's enjoy for once that free agency isn't a headline every hour, like every other month of the year 2020 has been. So even though it is moving slow as molasses, Chris, as you said, we'll accept that and we'll say, okay, if we get one free agency signing once a week it's going to make this off season into the next season feel a little bit shorter than it could if we front ended all these free agency signings and then had, who knows, a month, two months without any hockey news.
0: And there'll also be news in terms of the coaching staff. And I know that that doesn't necessarily excite the fan base other than a head coach as, as much (laughs) as a player coming to the team, but there are, new assistants that will be added to the fold under Lindy Ruff. And I'm really interested in seeing as, as Fitzy talked about it the other day, this development of the goaltending department, Uh, you know, they'll have a goaltending coach, Rowling Lawson, not coming back. Uh, Marty Brodeur and Scott Clemenson are here. Of course, Uh, Scott, you know, spending a lot of his time in the development of the minor league guys, but you know, Fitzy indicated they're going to have a full-time guy down in Binghamton as well. And so I think goalies everywhere are finally saying, Yes, we have achieved the status of the rest of the team. It's not just you guys go down the other end of the ice and take some pucks.
1: And and I think also if you consider the goaltenders that are now, you know, in the organization, whether it's Nico Dawes through the draft this year, bringing back Scott Wedgewood. There are goaltenders that could potentially really work their way up into the NHL lineup at some point, whether it's, you know, two or three years from now. So investing in them at this age will only is, you know, it's about investing in the future of the New Jersey Devils.
0: So that is what we're looking forward to, the news that will follow. But for now, we'll wrap things up on our podcast. Thanks to Catherine Bogart, Amanda Stein and Chris Westcott for joining us. And thank you, as always, for your company. It's much appreciated. I'm Matt Laughlin. Thanking you for your time this time. Until next time, you well, everyone. Bye bye.